0: yep we're good talk a little bit about the levels real quick say something levels, 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 levels. that's pretty good welcome to ashamed of thrones your weekly recap podcast for hbo's uh kingdom of the crystal skulls uh of a tv show a game of thrones my name is doug with me as always is brian uh brian you know, I, I've heard the criticism of uh, the Christmas Goals was not a good movie, uh, Indiana Jones. But my the criticism I hear all the time is like, oh, it's aliens. Aliens don't belong in uh, an Indiana Jones film. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? There's always like a level of bullshit at the end of uh, every Indiana Jones movie. There's always some superstitious bullshit. Um, I just watched Lost yeah, uh, Raiders of the Lost the Ark. Ark and the Co- yeah, there's yeah, like no- ghostbusters come out of the fucking box. <laughs> And the guy's <laughs> face gets melted just because it's Judeo-Christian. It's uh, easier to swallow. Come on, go fuck yourself. Um, great movies. Yeah. I'm not saying, but you know, I have a lot of problems with Crystal Skull. Besides that, that's that's the least of its problems.
1: No, I would argue the first uh, problem is uh, a certain Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, that's that's always a problem garbage but uh i i watched i watched it in a car ride and i don't remember anything other than it being stupid and wondering why uh an 80 year old is running around punching people
0: (laughs) with a with a sound effect that sounds like someone getting hit by it with a shotgun or something yeah exactly (laughs) all right so uh let's talk about this episode uh we are reviewing episode eight of season three entitled the second sons now this is pretty apropos for me so uh a listener, uh, Shamushu, or whatever her name is, uh, it's it's weird because I just got back from the hospital. My wife delivered uh, birth to um, a baby boy, and we had a uh, uh, small child before this. He's nine, 19 months now, and he's also a boy. So this kid would be my... I don't know where I was going with this story, but um, whatever. We're reviewing uh, this episode, The Second Sons. Um, I kind of liked it, I think.
1: I like this one a lot. And I think that the title not only refers to the company of the second sons that we meet in here, but also a lot of the characters, the male characters in the show are second sons as well, both in the actual order of birth, but also kind of in their esteem or, or where they are. Yeah, that depending. would
0: apply to more of the John too, in the steam part of things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for instance, uh, Tyrion is the se- actual second son. Um Gendry is, uh, you would say, a second-class son. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of goes. Stannis was a second son. Um, so, uh, uh, Samuel Tarley was a second-class son. You know, so yep. you can almost go through the entire roster. So, I think that's a pretty clever title.
0: Yeah, well, Even, give it to me. Assuming D&D they then. intended it. Yeah. Not complete fuckups.
1: No, no. <laughs> I like this one a lot, though. I thought this was a good episode. Uh, some really, really good scenes between uh, pivotal characters. Could have used a little more action, uh, and I, but I did think it also went out on a high note despite, uh, Sam fucking up again. So,
0: yeah, he's a lovable fuck up though. All right, so let's jump right in. So, the episode starts with, uh, Arya waking up in the clutches of the hound. Uh, she sees he's sleeping, attempts to grab a rock to bash his head in, but he wakes up and tells her not to do it because he'd break her arms or whatever. Uh, they ride awkwardly in this weird single horse side saddle thing. Um, it just looks uncomfortable. Um, uh, she she is informed by the Hound that uh, she's actually lucky that he found her because there's a lot worse people in the world than him. And she's like, who? He's like, well, you've never met my brother. And that's true. And he uh, touts the fact that he did save uh, his her sister, Sansa, from a mob in King's Landing who wanted to rape her. Which is true, but, you know, Arya has no way of knowing that. Um, uh, anyway, they arrive at a river, and Arya asks if it's the Blackwater, and Sandra's like, where the fuck do you think I'm taking you? And she's like, uh, King's Landing, of course. And he's like, no, fuck, <laughs> fuck King's Landing, fuck the king, fuck the queen, whatever. was another one of those, uh, tri- diatribes. But anyway, uh, he says this is the Red Fork, they're on their way to the, tri- the Twins to, uh, attend, uh, her uncle Edmure Tully's wedding, uh, where her mother and brother are, so this is all good news. So Game of Thrones
1: is looking up. Yeah, actually she has seen his brother. Uh he killed the horse in front of her during the tournament at the beginning of the series. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So I wonder, do you think that if she smashed him as hard as she could with that rock if she could have killed him?
0: Uh I don't so I I don't think so. I mean that that rock was I think in order to do that, because I mean she's not gonna have the little girl body behind it that's swinging it, it's not gonna add as much force as you would think. Um, if she would have struggled to like lift it, maybe, like if gravity, yeah. the, the sheer size and mass of the like, rock alone could cave in his head. Yeah, but she could probably cause him some severe brain damage and fuck him up, yeah. like maybe get his sword and then stab him after the rock hit him. Uh, for sure. Yeah.
1: I just wonder if she should have just taken her chance right there because she didn't know. I mean, she thinks she's going to be taken you know, to one of the worst places possible to become right. a captive, so I don't know. And she also, I mean, she's been training with these other... People, I mean, she's kind of, even though she hasn't gone over to work with the assassins yet, she has been trained by, you know, these archers and been trained by the swordsmen and all these people. Uh, but it's kind of, it, I think it's interesting that she still is just a little girl, right. despite uh, having all that training. Well, so. she does, and most
0: importantly, she has the will to kill. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, is, you know, that's step one before you even get into skill. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of cool. Obviously, this is the beginning of another uh, buddy comedy. Um, yeah. And this is where it begins, so that's cool. I enjoy this pairing in the books and in the show because both the actors in the show actually uh, do a great job.
1: Yeah, I agree. I do feel kind of bad for the horse. She's sitting on the horse's neck. Yeah. I I didn't stick her behind her, but anyways.
0: And plus, he's wearing like full armor, which, you know, nobody wears full armor all the fucking time. I would just, I mean, it's just way too much
1: weight. It's ridiculous. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, that applies even today, I think. Uh, so next, we go to uh, some way outside of Yunkai, actually, and Danny uh, Selmy and uh, other dude. Uh, Jor- Bear, uh, Bear, uh, yeah, Jorah Mormont are watching a group of two thousand soldiers called the Second Sons, and um, I'm guessing these are the powerful friends that uh, slave may have referred to in the last episode. Yeah, they're
0: not friends if you have to pay them.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So. Uh, uh, So they begin discussing who these people are. Uh, Apparently it's a group of uh, mercenaries uh, led by someone named the Titan Bastard, Titan's Bastard. Uh, They're a very dangerous group, but Danny wants to buy them off. And the reason that she thinks she'll be able to buy them off is because they can't afford to lose to a a girl. So we transition to the tent, and three uh, rough-looking characters from the second sons are in her tent – Ah, uh, one is very rude, including uh, wagging his tongue grossly at her, sniffing Miss Sandy's um, wedding night area—just uh, <laughs> disgusting. Um, so it, the the uh, the three emissaries are there to do some negotiations. Um, one of the guys there is uh, pleasant, or at least not completely offensive. DeHario, or the good-looking guy. Yeah, uh, I was
0: about to say the hot one. Am I right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well. I think uh, the Titan's bastard is good looking in a rugged way. Uh, the other one just looks like a dude, um, and then Dario's—he's uh, got dimples for days. So uh, cheekbones
0: for miles.
1: <laughs> so they briefly discussed the second <clears throat> the second son's background uh, to kind of give a little bit of an info dump, because the show is compressing the the second sons and then another group. Stormcrows, I think. Yes, exactly. So Danny attempts to convince them to join her. Uh, they are convinced, are concerned about betraying uh, the, the Yunkai because they've already been paid. If they betray the Yunkai, then they don't have any uh, – they'll never be able to gain uh, employment later down the road. But Danny says this won't matter because uh, she'll be in charge and, I guess, put them on the payroll. Uh, Danny gives them a, some wine to share with the rest of their people. Uh, then the three emissaries depart with of course, multiple threats of gang rape to uh, Miss Sandy and Danny. Danny tells Barristan to kill the Titan son uh, first if it comes to a battle.
0: Yeah, I think the most despicable line was about the a- ass-eating. He was like, I think I remember yes. you. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, over-the-top uh, discussing. I'm sure these uh, Dan and Dave or whatever the names were giving themselves high-five right in the, the dialogue for this character. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, I guess, uh, similar to how it goes down in the books. I I think she gave him a shitload of wine because she's like, okay, they'll all get drunk tonight. And then when they're drunk, we'll attack them in the middle of the night or something like that. So I think she was, uh, they were planning to take the, this whole crew of people out. Um, if what happens later didn't happen, I don't know. Was
1: was there that level of crassness though in the, uh, in the books? I think it, I think he was
0: crass, and they didn't show a respect, but I, I don't think it was as um, bro-douchey um, terms as we got it in here, and I distinctly would have remembered ass-eating if it was mentioned by uh, <laughs> George R. R. Martin. As I, much
1: as George R. R. Martin likes to talk about eating things, I don't remember ass being on the menu.
0: <laughs> so if we get to meet him, for whatever reason, when in the interview yeah. question, you know, uh, how come there wasn't more ass-eating in uh, The Game of Thrones? <laughs> I mean, I saw it on the show, so that's why I got the book. Um, yeah. It's a little uh, disturbed, but yeah. That one, like, line at the end, that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger line, hey, they, uh, spare is to sell me? They comes to battle. Kill that one first dun, I dun, dun. That was,
1: Yeah I, I thought that was a good line
0: uh, It's good but it's so fucking like uh, Cheesy action movie
1: uh, uh, Yeah really on the nose Yeah, But I mean how do you follow uh, I mean uh, the, the li- a line about Anal lingus followed by <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, guess, I guess you can't no, I don't think you can <laughs> It's a mic drop Alright so uh, <laughs> Gendry and Melisandre arrive on Dragonstone and Gundry's a, you know, he's a pig in the city, basically. He's, you know, wandering around looking at all the castle and and stuff. Uh, Stannis inspects him um, and is not impressed. Um, Mel expresses her wish to sacrifice him, um, but like a lamb, she doesn't want him to see it coming because uh, it'll spoil the meat, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, later, Stannis visits Davos in his cell uh, while he's learning to read or practicing his reading um, Stannis, uh, you know, asks them, tells them the situation. Um, basically it comes out that Davos is like, well, you knew what kind of advice, this is why you chose to see me now. Um, because you knew what advice I would say, because you don't agree with, uh, Melisandre's actions either. Um, and Stannis doesn't ever admit to it, but that's basically what goes down. Uh, Stannis, uh, or course, Davos does counsel Stannis not to do it. um, says he's going to release Davos. um, uh, And he does reveal that he has seen visions in the flame. so he's not going to turn his back on her completely, even though he doesn't agree with her in this. Um, I mean, the visions he sees is of a great battle in the snow. Um, I think that's about it.
1: Yeah, I thought this was a really good scene. Um, It showed the relationship between these two guys, how... Uh, Davos is kind of the Stannis' conscience and one of the few people that Stannis will turn to for advice that's contrary to what Stannis himself thinks. Uh, just well-acted, uh, a little on the nose, but still, I thought it was good enough to to hold up. Uh, I liked it a lot. And it also really, I think, spelled out, even though Stannis, uh, you saw him kind of almost treat Gendry like a piece of meat when he grabbed his face and kind of stared at him. Right. Uh, like he was checking out the the... The teeth, the teeth on a horse. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I think it also, it really showed that Stannis is conflicted to some extent. Uh, he doesn't want to just burn innocence, but, uh, he thinks that, you know, this is his density. So, uh, I thought this was a really good scene. Well, well acted. Uh, yeah. liked it a lot. Yeah.
0: And I, once again, Davos is, you know, so likable. So,
1: Oh, no question.
0: Coach Absolutely. Davos. Um, I got a question. So there's this crazy rumor I just heard about, and I love these crazy rumors. It's completely unfounded. Probably has no evidence, but, um, what about the 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 possibility that Gendry is Cersei and Robert's only trueborn son? Cersei and Robert's only trueborn son.
1: So,
0: so. so remember how Cersei tells a, uh, you know, a story in season 1 about how they had yeah. one black-haired beauty that didn't survive? Well, maybe the boy survived and they just hid it from Cersei or whatever and it was Gendry. And that would give Gendry, like, the best claim to the throne, uh, muddy the waters. It sounds very interesting, and I don't believe it for a second. But wouldn't that be yeah, fun? I don't
1: either. That would be fun. It sounds fucking insane. Um,
0: yeah, I love insane theories, though.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, what? It, outside of... <laughs> There's and, no evidence. Yeah, exactly. Other than nobody said no to this. Wishful <laughs> <It's> very, thinking. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. But, uh, gosh, that might be a bridge too far. Uh, because I, I think, as a as a watcher, I feel cheated that that I didn't have any clue that 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 was going on at all. You know? Yeah, I it's agree. A- and
0: it's not. I mean, it, I, the child that Cersei talks about in season one is not mentioned in the books at all, so I doubt uh, oh, there's no right, correlation yeah. there. So, right.
1: right. Whatever. That's just, a pretty crazy theory, though.
0: Yeah, I, and once again, I love these crazy theories. I love you know any. Any excuse to like look at the books again for a second time or a third, fourth, sure. whatever. All right. Uh now where do we
1: go? So next we go to uh Second Sons Base Camp. Uh there is more let's just say locker room talk. Um <laughs> uh, so uh the uh Titans uh, bastard continues to be a real creep, uh, but Dario is uh in contrast not a total creep. Uh, Titan defends uh sex work uh Dario's not interested in prostitutes though Dario fights for beauty um I mean I, there's a lot of back and forth to kind of set up their characters and their personalities but I just wrote down blah 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 Yeah a lot of blah So yeah so the uh three amigos here decide to assassinate Danny you can tell Dario's not necessarily into it they draw lots to see who will kill her, and uh, unfortunately, Dario and his dimples draw the lot, or I guess fortunately, uh, Dario draws the lot, which, um, you know, the uh, the sex worker who was there, I mean, was in charge of handing out these coins to determine who would kill Danny. Yeah, it seems suspect. Yeah, all the coins were different shapes. <laughs> it's like it would be easy for her to manipulate it, but uh, who knows? Yeah, um,
0: uh, not nothing much to remark here besides the line, which I think was in the books. Uh, there's only, you know, God gave us, or the gods gave us, two thrills: fucking girl who wants to get fucked and killing a man who's trying to kill you. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's about the only salvageable part. Salvageable part, but you're right; they're setting up Dario as like the least despicable person, uh, and they do this a lot. You know, it's just like Tyrion is the least despicable Lannister. Uh, whenever you want to make somebody who's not a good guy look good is you know you compare him to just worse people it's like uh you know what they do with dexter dexter is a uh serial killer but he kills other serial killers so by contrast he ain't so bad um
1: yeah well, i mean i dario in just in saying if he only likes to have consensual sex i mean it separates him so much from everybody else <laughs> Especially the Titans bastard. The other dude isn't really saying much of anything. Yeah, he seems like an easy all. guy. He's
0: just not great looking. So you know, gotta die. Yeah,
1: and I think that that dude was actually the dude that was in the Stormcloaks. cloaks.
0: Uh, oh. This
1: is what I read online. Oh, okay. Well, storm crows or whatever. storm crows. So, yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, who cares? Um, but let me ask you this. Uh, let's talk about Dario for a second. I'm sure we're going to get into more Dario talk, and this is the first you know time we meet Dario. I don't see the translation between this Dario and the replacement Dario much. Like, they seem like completely two different characters in a way. Like, uh, I understand that you got to recast sometimes, you know, that I don't know what happened, whether the guy who plays Dario now didn't want to return or they didn't want to pay him or whatever, but you got to think there'd be some consistency. This just seems like a completely different guy.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, this guy's like really smooth. Uh, yeah. yeah, the other really guy's cu- a little more bit quiet, like chooses his words yeah. a
0: little bit more carefully. And the other guy's like a brash, you know, Van Wilder, <laughs> type, I
1: guess. <laughs> National Lampoon <laughs> presents Dario Naharis. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah.
0: He's drinking the pale ale. I don't know. That was from something else okay
1: yeah 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 no I, I agree with you it's kind of a shift in the character in general um but I never liked him that much uh, I hated Dario
0: in the books I mean I hated him yeah. I hated him all around but like on second watch Drew, uh at least this guy had something he just brought something different to the table uh I really didn't like the replacement Dario
1: no I didn't either uh at least this guy you can look at him and go how are those dimples that big <laughs>
0: <Jesus>. uh, <laughs> you can't get over those dimples
1: Oh yeah, it's like he, it's like he had, like had like a, like pins inserted or something. It's crazy. But and I anyways. guess
0: we'll get this over real quick. Uh we'll get it over with, but uh, in the book if you haven't read it, which I don't know why you're listening to the podcast. But uh Dario is like a crazy um Tairashi, which is, you know, the Tairashi people dye their hair different colors and they have crazy facial hair and they kind of like use like you know, I like uh you know, punks in the 70s would put like egg whites in their hair to stick their to shape their hair into, like, uh, you know, ridiculous spikes. That's what the Tairashi people, only they put, like, they make their hairs into horns, uh, into, like, fish, um, all sorts of weird shapes. And this is the kind of dude that Dario was. He had, definitely had a mustache. Um, I, I don't know. Seems pretty crazy, and I understand this is a this is a change that's okay to make. You know what I mean? This is not going to translate. No 16-year-old girl <laughs> is going to go, ooh, that guy has hot... Um, purple mustaches it's pretty great
1: i was kind of, i was kind of disappointed and they've done that for a lot of characters where they toned down what the uh, crazy appearance was in the books but i mean i, I kind of understand it because it would have been jarring in the if it's actually visually presented yeah it would be distracting for sure. version. yeah but it, i would have liked to seen some of these guys that were look like crazy people
0: yeah um, i agree flesh it out a little <laughs> bit all right So uh, next we go to Sansa. She's staring in a mirror and we see the shitty doll that Ned gave her from season one, which I I just noticed for the first time. So that's some nice continuity there. Uh, She's just hanging out when uh, Tyrion decides to pay her a visit. Uh, He tries to assuage her fears, uh, but he does a piss poor job. Um, He says he empathizes with her, but uh, then she calls bullshit on that. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Uh, I have no idea how you feel. He promises that at least he'll never hurt her, which is a huge boon for Sansa, all things considered. Uh, and then the scene ends.
1: Yeah, I didn't have much to say about this. Um, I did think that Shay actually looked older in the scene. Like, um, she had bigger bags under her eyes, and I don't know if that's her actually aging or if they were intentionally making her look like she's put upon. Uh, if the second or the latter, I think that's kind of interesting because she's going through so much stress. Um, kind of surprised that she's able to keep her anger together in front of everyone because she's such a uh, little spark plug when it's just her and, and um, Tyrion. Yeah, I don't, I don't know.
0: Uh, I really don't think about Shay too much in the show because it's, she's just so different from. It's just a di- huge divergence from the book. Don't know yeah. what her intentions are. I don't know if she's authentically. In love with Tyrion, angry that he's with her, or still just playing uh, an act um, because that's basically what she's doing in the um, book. She's just she's just playing a role, uh, and Tyrion's accepting it. Uh, so I have no idea what Shay is going through or what she's uh, thinking. I, that's,
1: I still think that it's authentic in the book or in the show. Yeah, um, yeah, but I mean, if you read the books, I mean, it's easy to arrive at a different conclusion, certainly. So okay. So, next we go to Cersei and Marjorie. They're apparently in the big sept. Uh, Marjorie attempts to be friendly, uh, calls Cersei her sister, grabs Cersei by the arm to, to kind of walk together. And Cersei gives her the stink eye like like no stink eye has ever been given before. Um, they begin strolling about, and Cersei tells Marjorie the story of the uh, other song in Westeros, The Reigns of Casimir. It's a song about the second wealthiest family in Westeros, or the formerly second wealthiest family in Westeros. The Rain family, House Rain. Uh, now the she uh, Cersei tells Marjorie that now the Tyrells are the second uh, richest family in Westeros. And second place never seems to stop people. And basically that she's uh Cersei's drawn comparisons between House Rain and uh, House Tyrell. Apparently, House Rain, uh, in an effort to become the most powerful family, Westeros built a large castle, then uh, gave out gems and rose up against the Lannisters. And Tywin slaughtered them all, and made a big deal out of it by hanging uh, people all over uh, as a show of power. And you know. Uh, we've seen plenty of that hanging uh, heads on spikes and that sort of thing. Mm. And that was the reigns of Casimir, where actually, I guess, I think the people bleeding out. Um, Cersei then <laughs> finishes by telling Marjorie, if you call me sister again, I will have you strangled in your sleep. <laughs> Which, you know, I. It was kind of subtle. Well, actually, it really wasn't that subtle prior to that line. Uh, yeah. But Jesus Christ, she Let's didn't just bring the... down the hammer. Right. She brought down the sledgehammer, the maul, and like this. I mean, that, yeah, it was good.
0: Yeah, I guess it was good. But yeah, you're right. Just like okay, she gets it. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to come right out.
1: <laughs> well, no, 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 no. See, I did like that because Cersei. Being – she like the more sophisticated characters in the show or the people who are actually better at this politics would have left it at that subtle threat. But Cersei, not being as good yeah. at politics as everyone else, thinks that it's not enough to just relay the story that clearly Marjorie knows exactly what she's talking about or should. Cersei has to bring the hammer down uh, like an idiot, which re- removes all the nuance and also instead of like keeping these people in their position and allowing – being able to – Take advantage of them or, or use them for your purposes. Yeah, exactly. Instead, like, she's just making enemies out of the people. Right,
0: exactly. Instead of instead of dancing in the middle, you know, saying I could be your enemy, could be your friend. Well, they're just like, no, fuck it. it's clear you're my enemy. Uh, I'm not. The carrot's never going to work in this situation if you bring the stick that hard. Um, yeah, yes, so exactly. There's no motivating... So
1: that was good because that, that because of it's again displayed cersei's uh idiocy and the other thing is um and i read this online uh someone brought up that um you know casterly rocks wealth is derived from its gold or at least it used to be i think mm-hmm. we're we're made to know that casterly rock the gold's drying up you know if this if the civil war continues casterly rock is out of luck because if if it gets down to all we need is food Gold's not going to help anyone. Nobody's going to give a shit about gold. At that point, it's going to become food. And guess what? The Reach is the one that's actually producing the food. in in Westeros. Yeah. So I mean, just an illustration of how the Tyrells, even though they're the second most important, quote unquote, they are actually they are have a hot, more they have
0: a hotter commodity. It's like, you know, you know, you might have all those stocks and bonds, but I'm collecting gold. So when there's the financial collapse happens. <laughs>
1: The I'm gonna the be the the Fuck the goal I've got a pack room that has a year's food, <laughs> lots of guns, and a cistern. Right. Good luck to you, buddy. And you a cistern.
0: So, yeah, you can get a lot of money for that.
1: Cistern. <laughs> <laughs> Weird
0: cistern. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the point's taken. Uh, I just think it's kind of cool. I don't know enough about the uh, Casterly or the Lannisters, but they, uh, the Lannisters are from Lannisport, um, but like. Castamere's are from casterly rock and they kind of like took it from them somehow. Uh, I don't know. So, um, it's all confusing. I wish we had a book expert. Um, we're working on getting one. Um, actually, I, I actually, um, told Jermaine to go to the library and start studying up. He's going to be our uh, resident book expert. Good God. <laughs> all
1: right. So, uh, podcast canceled. We move uh, on. So, what? So, actually, can you, uh, the House Rain story. Is there more about that in the book? No, I think there were two families that
0: rebelled. Uh, I don't know if it was the Castamires, but anyway, um, that's all there was. Is like um, it goes back even further. So Tywin's dad um, was like the toothless lion, and nobody showed him any respect. He would loan out money, and people would say, "Well, I'm not gonna. I'm a little late," and he would just, you know, he would accept all sorts of slights against them, and you know, basically get was okay with being disrespected. and he's the uh,
1: riding danger field of Westeros.
0: Yeah, he gets no respect. Uh, <laughs> and, he, you know, he, after his wife died, he started uh, dating some common woman who was talked about as being a whore. Who knows if she was actually a prostitute, but they referred to her as a whore. Um, and basically, no one respected uh, the Lannisters at this point, because they had a, um, you know, basically Jimmy Carter as their president, I don't know, uh, as a leader. But anyway, after the guy died, Tywin like just went in the opposite direction. So instead of being, um, you know, uh, you know, a dove, you, you got Tywin comes in as a hawk and goes the other direction. And I think the they were the one of the first uh, families to try to like say, well, we don't need you. And Tywin proved them wrong, <laughs> and he basically committed genocide to the whole family. Um, Jesus, and it was Tywin. It's not like. You know, the Lannisters, it was just Tywin. Um, after gotcha. He, yeah, he became like Lord of the Rock at some crazy early age, like 16 or 17. Uh, and he also made his, uh, it's funny, and it's like, that's ironic, but he made his uh, dad's girlfriend, who they called a prostitute, that uh, um, after his dad died, they stripped her naked and made her walk through the streets in a walk of shame and exiled her, which yeah. happens to Cersei, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, I wish they uh, provided that detail to show because it would have provided more poignance to what happened to, to Cersei. Yeah,
0: it's kind of cool. Well, this, yeah. And this is why you got to read the books. It's just so much... It's like everything you like, only more. Yeah, yeah agreed. Okay, so Joffrey arrives at Sansa's door um, and informs her that he's her dad since she doesn't have a dad anymore and he's going to be escorting her down the aisle and giving her away to Tyrion. Um, You know, they arrive at the Sept. Uh, it's a very... Dr- you know kind of not jovial affair not a lot of people in the big sept um you know it's kind of like a funeral she arrives at the top of the stage or whatever they call it in uh, religious events and um there's a stool there for Tyrion i guess and joffrey casually removes it on his way uh back down the uh the steps to join the rest of the uh audience uh and it goes down they get married And there's a part of the ceremony where Tyrion has to wrap his uh, family cloak around uh, the bride as a show of protection. Uh, And of course, since the stool is not there, it's very awkward and everybody or a few people find it funny, including Joffrey. Uh, And that's it. It's just, you know, an awful experience for Sansa.
1: Yeah, did you notice uh, when they walked in, I, well, first I did notice that it was a very tame affair. There were not many people there, which is uh, kind of odd, you would think. Um, but did you notice when they were uh, Sansa was walking up the aisle, Bronn did like a weird bow towards her? Uh, maybe he was just that? showing
0: her respect, I don't know. Uh, I don't, side, nobody I don't else
1: know. bowed, and then all of a sudden Bronn bowed, and I, was, I wondered if something else was going on, but I guess it's not. That's a good catch, I didn't notice it. Yeah, well, yeah, if you're writing down notes, you tend to not see the little details. Um, why did not Sansa not uh, know that she needed to kneel to let Tyrion put her cloak on? Uh, I don't know.
0: Uh, well, here's the thing. is Yeah, yeah. I guess. Uh, I, I uh, have the uh, checked out the audiobook, and I did listen to this chapter on the way to work a couple of uh, days ago or last week. Uh, and it's pretty awesome. Uh, there was no stool to begin with. Um and when it came time for Tyrion to do it, he kept tugging on her skirt for her to, like, kneel down. And she refused mm-hmm. to do it. So Sansa's kind of being, like, a a petty little child. Uh, and he keeps trying to like, get her attention, like, casually, like, can you, can you? <laughs> and she just refuses to do it. Uh, so Joffrey has Ser Dantos, who's now a court gesture, go over there. And he gets on his hands and knees. And they get a little bit of schoolboy action while... Uh, Tyrion gets on top of his, you know, while this guy's on all fours, stand on his back so he can put his cloak of protection on Sansa. Um,
1: so is is Sansa willfully not bending down in the books? Yes, as her like little form of revenge, which is, I mean, that's complete. I think that's completely contrary to her character in the show, yeah, or at least what her character in the show would do. So that's that's interesting. Hmm. Um, um, I'm 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 kind of surprised that Tywin didn't get more pissed off during the thing other than just kind of scowling at the, at the couple people in the crowd who were laughing.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I forgot this other, uh, to mention this other detail. It's a huge detail. So like Mm -hmm. in the book, Sansa's getting fitted for a gown and Cersei's like, uh, Cersei sends just tailors and whatever seamstresses there to make her dress. And this is, she assumes it's for the, uh, wedding of, uh, Joffrey to Marjorie, which is also coming up. um, but she finds out that day when the dress arrives that she's getting married that day. So no one tells her. No, <laughs> Tyria doesn't tell her. Tyria doesn't come to her luché and be like, Hey, sorry to bring any parade, but uh we're getting married. No, she just finds out she's getting married like that day. Um so it's even Jeez. more of like a horror story for her. Um Yeah, big time. Uh, all good stuff, though. Great, great chapter. Mm-hmm. I I love this book. It's amazing. Storm of Swords.
1: Yeah, and this I mean this episode so far I think has been really good. So, so next we go to Dragonstone. Uh, Mel enters a room where Gendry is standing. Uh, Gendry is gobsmacked by the wealth, and uh, Mel's got the girls hanging pretty loose. They both have a common uh, poor backgrounds and kind of share their experiences mel offers gendry some wine and he's suspicious that it's poison so she tries it but of course he doesn't know that she's immune to all poisons uh mel continues to speak in allegories while gendry remains suspicious uh, he knows there's no such thing as a free lunch gendry dismiss <laughs> dismisses his king's blood as a uh, chance uh, but mel of course believes in predestination mel begins removing gendry's clothes but gendry thinks it's naughty he's still caught up in the old religions doesn't know that the Lord of the Light lets you let you bang if you want. Uh, Mel drops a robe and offers uh, some sexy talk about darkness and death. <laughs> well, <everywhere.
0: laughs> it gets me yeah. hotter.
1: Yeah, uh, you're gonna die one day, bro. Uh. How hot? Well, bro, actually, that'd be a bad word to use. Uh, well, I don't know. Depends on who you are. So uh, Mel leads Gendry to the bed and begins making that beast with two backs with him. Mel uh, rides for a couple minutes and ties him up, getting real naughty. Then suddenly she dismounts. Uh, she places some leeches on Gendry, including placing uh, one on his wing. Not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which uh, you would have thought the blood would have rushed out of his wing. Uh, that would be an ineffective uh, yeah, it's leech. Like, it's like
0: when you're high and you get pulled over by the cops. Instantly sober. Uh, never happened to me. Uh, oh, so, come on.
1: Yeah, right. So then uh, Davos and Stannis enter the room. Uh, Mel blames Davos for the dick leech uh, because Davos didn't believe in the Lord of the Light. He wanted a demonstration. Mel removes the leeches, takes them to the browser, brazier brazier uh, the uh, little we fire browsers <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, so uh, Stannis then throws the leeches into the fire and names a usurper for each leech as he throws it into the fire including uh, including the uh, Rob Stark, Joffrey, and Balon Greyjoy in scene over.
0: Yeah, all right. So, obviously, she wanted to kill him, like right out, wanted to burn him completely and sacrifice him, and this was the middle ground that uh, Stannis came to after consulting with Davos, right?
1: You know, I didn't think that far into it, but I think I think that you're dead on with that. I think you're accurate.
0: Right. And that makes sense. It, yeah. it does make sense, because when you think about it, like, yeah, uh... Whatever. She wanted she wanted uh she wants more from him, and I think this is just an intermediate step for Davos. Um and and for uh her king, Stannis. But at the same time, she talked about all this, uh they'll never see the knife. Well, you saw the Gendry saw that leech slowly going towards his dick. Oh, yeah. So so the fear is gonna ruin the the meat, uh, as it were, in this situation. Um you know, I understand she wanted to burn him alive and never see the But I mean, you're going to always see the <laughs> when are you going to get burned alive and not see it coming and not be terrified? Um like Shireen yes, saw it exactly. coming.
1: Yeah. Shireen could not have been any more terrified if they tried. <laughs> and there's no Santa Claus. No! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, that that's weird. That's definitely incongruous.
0: Uh yeah. And who do you think the dick blood is? Do you think that's Joffrey? <laughs> you you know,
1: I, I read online somebody speculated that same thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it makes me wonder, you... like, why there? It doesn't make any sense. Like, why? All right, so if you're doing three leeches uh, and you put one on the dick, is that more powerful? Is that less powerful? If all things are equal, why on the dick? Uh, doesn't make any
1: sense. Know. There, uh, you would think there'd be less blood there you would you would want to go to the core you wouldn't go to the extremities especially the uh yeah one i mean, unless he maintains the erection but
0: yeah I, I, you know What's, unless he has a great refractory refractatory uh period. no that,
1: that doesn't come into play here <laughs> you don't know he could have already he could have already nutted <laughs> yeah he just he's powering through he thinks he can fool her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh jesus
1: no. we're going too far down yeah the yeah so we let's are. Go to the next all scene.
0: right all right yeah. so next scene so here yeah. we go. Uh, wedding reception. Um, it, you know, once again, it's a very odd affair. Uh, Tyrion is getting drunk. Um, uh, Sansa looks sullen. Uh, the QOT, Queen of, Throne, or Queen of Thorns, is uh, relating the complicated family relations that will result once, um, you know, uh, the Tyrells marry the Lannisters. how uh, You know, they'll be brothers, ancestors, and cousins, and whatever. Uh, because there's two marriages uh, between uh, what is it, Loris and Cersei, and Marge and Joffrey. So very confusing. It is weird. What do you think? Uh, if you're like, I don't want to get into it, but your siblings marrying the person you're marrying's f- mother or father or son or daughter. It's kind of weird. Uh, moving on. I'll talk
1: about that in a if second. If it's not if it's not blood marrying blood, I don't I don't you know. I I mean I might be weird if like say you were race together since you were one or two years old. That would definitely be weird, but uh, I don't know it. I have an opinion because I haven't been in that situation thankfully. Yeah,
0: you fantasize about it, but haven't been in there yet, so.
1: Alright, so uh, Loras finds it all
0: upsetting and just stamps out, has a little hissy fit. Uh, meanwhile, Tyrion's drinking uh, like a man on a mission. Uh, he's getting rather sloppy. Tywin notices, doesn't approve, give him a stink eye. Uh, Shay also doesn't approve and looks uh, you know, a little... Angry in the giving him shit looks in the corner. Tywin eventually confronts Tyrion um, and tells him not to get witsy dick because the whole point of this wedding is for him to propagate uh, and have a Lannister child uh, on Sansa. Tyrion assures him that he will um, he will not be impeded, referring to himself as the god of tits and wine. Um, uh, so uh, they cut away here um, to the balcony. And Loras is sulking, but sees that Cersei is also not having a good time and she's hiding up there. So he approaches her as like a show of good faith. uh, Very similar to what happened with Marjorie and Cersei. Um, He comes over there and says something like, you know, my father once said... And she's like, no one gives a fucking shit what your father (laughs) just once said. (laughs) It was pretty fucking great. Uh, Blows him off immediately. Then we return to... um, downstairs and uh sansa goes to like dance or gets up and joffrey steals her away and corners her in a closet or something <coughs> like a real creep and threatens her with rape saying it doesn't really matter which lannister puts a lannister baby in her belly uh and says that you know if she shut not want to he's like that's yeah, no big deal i'll just have sir Meryn hold you down i was like oh jesus that's pretty fucked up uh to be so blatant about it anyway um Joffrey announces that they will commence the ceremony, uh, the betting ceremony. Tyrion says there will be no uh, betting ceremony tonight. Thank you very much, but Joffrey insists. And Tyrion uh, threatens to gild him. The room goes silent and he gets very tense before Tywin smooths everything out, uh, saying that um, Tyrion probably didn't mean it, didn't mean to threaten the king. Um, and Tyrion kind of thinks about it for a second and I guess he decides he's not ready to die. Because he just starts laughing it off and pretending that the whole thing was a joke. Uh, and he plays up how drunk he is. I'm sure he is drunk, but he puts it in, like, 10th gear here. Um, escorts uh, stands out of the room while telling a story about puking on a girl during sex. Um, which guaranteed to get Sans in the mood. Uh, once back in the room, Tyrion abandons uh, the super drunk act. And instead, just pours himself more wine and is back to the sullen drunk. Um... Tyrion announces it's time uh to do the deed his father commanded him to do. So Sansa drinks just pounds some wine real quick and starts undressing, resigned to her fate. Tyrion suddenly stops her, not wanting uh to sully her obvious innocence. You know, so he comes to his senses. Uh he says that he will wait until she comes willingly. She counters by asking what if she never uh is ready, and Tyrion. You know, jokingly announces that, and so my watch begins, referring to the lifelong vow of the Night's Watch guys, and then he passes out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This was, especially the first half of what you described, this is a really good scene. I I, I really like this one a lot. I agree. Um, um, Queen of Thorns describing the family relations. That was kind of boring, which is out of character for her. Yeah, she's like so I, a
0: doddering old woman. She's like, you know, she, she's acting like a grandma.
1: <laughs> yeah, but so what I actually wondered is she was trying to just get rid of Pouty Loris because she kind of smirked when he walked away. And you know she's not the kind of person who... Would uh would say boring things uh, otherwise. So I d don't know if she just was wanted to get rid of Loras. I don't know
0: what. But the
1: story was there. Yeah, Tywin's uh, huffing and puffing uh, at uh, Tyrion is great. Um, you can just I mean it, it, you can almost see like steam coming out of his nostrils. He's so upset with Tyrion. Uh, it's just it's really great. And Tyrion had the great callback to the uh, line I think it was last season where the uh, he said he was the guy of a, a god of Tits and wine, I think it was yep. what the phrase he used was, really great. Was uh, that Lors- last season? I think it was last season. He, he. Um, did, I think it was an interaction with Bronn if I'm not mistaken. Where's the god of tits and wine? I want to go there or something along those oh, lines. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, I remember vaguely yeah. now.
1: Yep. Uh Loris's attempt to kind of hit on Cersei, or at least smooth over the the, the relationship. So
0: we're gonna have to do this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so great! A uh, shitty thing for her to do. Oh God, yeah. Josh threats—I uh, I hate the threat of sexual violence. Although I did think it kind of worked in this scene. I agree. Um, it made him seem yeah.
0: like a, a real threatening creep. Um, well,
1: and the other thing is—I uh, I mean, I think that we think he, or at least from uh, at least I think he's still a virgin. So you know that these threats are probably hollow, instead of just being a weirdo. So. Even though it, it, it's a sexual violence threat, I don't know that he would go through with it because uh, he's probably scared of. of I mean, you'd rather shoot him with crossbows, it seems like, instead of um, you know, bone down.
0: Who knows? At, at the very least, he's willing to kill women, and he likes sexual violence in general. Uh, that we yeah. learned by the what happened with Roz and the other uh, prostitute, where they he had to like hurt her. He like the uh, he liked hurting girls, so. He shows the capacity to enjoy that, whether he's willing to do that or not.
1: Yeah, well, I don't even, I don't know if that, like, the two prostitutes that he, he messed around with, that, I don't know that there was even sex involved so much as just hurt her, you know? Well, um, they
0: were turning her in a sexual way. I'm pretty sure he, she was yeah. sticking things into sexual or orifices. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, get the ruler, you know, Indian burns <laughs> now. It was nothing
1: <laughs> of <other than> that. <laughs> Hey, you, noogie her.
0: Now, if it was a titty twister, that's probably along the lines of what, what we're doing with here. Uh, I
1: did like uh, Tyrion kind of uh, stepping up and attempting to protect Sansa by not allowing the betting ceremony. Uh, I think it really good. Uh, uh, kind of, I mean, not subtle, but uh, I think he was. I
0: think he was protecting himself as well. I think he would have been embarrassed by it because he he was he was upset that you know this is a joke of a wedding. You know, pretending like these are yeah. two people in love who just can't wait to to do it for the first time. Instead of doing that, you know, um, you know, it it's already he, you know, he acknowledges or he's you know, he's the only one in the kind of like the only one in the room who's like, This is bullshit uh, and is not playing along. So
1: I don't know. I thought his motivation was more sansa, but uh I don't know that it's clear either way. Um it, yeah, and I did it was funny to me watching when he the scene started He was just so drunk, and uh, it made me think of, like, this guy is legendary for the amount of alcohol that he can drink. How much fucking wine is he drunk if he's that drunk during the the scene? You know what I mean? Uh, Probably enough. I imagine he can
0: do it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much you need to get super drunk. We all know the guy who can get super drunk can get super drunk. Uh, So if he needs the, you know, I don't know play uh <laughs> edward 40 hands or whatever the equivalent is in medieval <laughs> times to get this pounded i'm sure he's doing it
1: i guess i mean if you're a guy you can drink wine all day and, and known for your drinking prowess it seems odd that you'd be but i guess it, uh you would also be probably be equipped to be able to drink enough wine and no much wine to get to <clears throat> crazy town I
0: yeah guess. I, I like i said i think it shows that he was a, a guy on a mission when you're on the mission i mean yeah. no one can stop you uh from yeah getting wasted
1: Sure. All right. So next we go to.
0: I I just want to do one thing. I do want to talk about the betting ceremony. Um, So because we don't get the betting ceremony, I don't think at all in the show. This is the first even mention of it, right?
1: Uh, That I recall. I think it might come up. Actually, it does come up later with uh, Endure. Right. Uh, Yeah. But I think so. The gist is
0: uh, when the betting ceremony happens, uh, they the crowd, the drunk crowd. (laughs) grabs both the bride and groom the women grab the groom the men grab the bride and they forcefully drag them to their bed all while stripping their clothes not violently, -violently. (laughs) semi-violently and making horrible jokes Uh, and then they observe them copulating kind of like making it official so yeah, it's kind of gross, right?
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm not a big fan of it, um, but um, I, I, I think, God, I'm 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 just kind of speculating here, and uh, please, uh, anyone with real knowledge, don't uh, judge me too harshly. Yeah, but I think true. there was something to this. I think that there was uh, there was when it, at least in the medieval times. God, I'm I'm just it's talking on my ass right now. But I think there was a, a certain amount of importance to making sure that the married couple um, consummated their relationship because it could be void. So that was actually the initial consummation was a public act, and people watched it, uh, which is not not, not to say uh, there were times where I think where like kings would have the first go at it, and then the yeah. person was actually getting married. But I think that was something, so I think this is somewhat based in history. I mean, hey. it makes
0: sense. I mean, we even hear about this in somewhat modern times with Catholicism, <clears throat> like when Catholic people want to get, uh, they can. What is it called? Can you dissolve a marriage like before you have sex? Isn't it? There's some fancy uh, word for absolve, it. Absolve, right? I think. Absolve a marriage. Yeah. yeah, if you haven't, if you've gotten married but haven't consummated the marriage with sex, you can get out of it. Uh, so I mean, it still survives in a certain way that you know, there's something final about you know, sex and the whole. It makes it more transactional for sure, and this whole this whole sex and marriage in this show and in this time is all about transactions. So especially for yeah. the highborn.
1: So yeah, and that was made famous in the episode of uh, Arrested Development where Joe married the Seal Trainer, played by Amy Poehler. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Where they just go to a series of dares? Was it? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yep.
0: Okay. Yep. All right. Great so issue. yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. Uh, four season. Mm,
1: uh yeah no we don't we won't talk about and that they
0: just they just announced today that they're gonna be a fifth everybody's on board. i know
1: very excited yeah i watch it again the I Force, feel, yeah it was all right um but I, I know that they had certain limitations and uh ah, gosh who knows anyway so next we go to uh danny base camp it's nighttime a mysterious figure dressed as an unsullied prowls around the camp carry a knife that looks very familiar it's, uh, we go inside of Danny's tent, and Miss Sandy is bathing Danny. Uh, she's definitely not a slave because she's bathing Danny voluntarily, I guess. <laughs> uh, Miss Sandy and Danny discuss languages. Uh, Danny's dothraki is not as good as she thinks. Suddenly, the mysterious figure appears and has already captured Miss Sandy as a nitro throat, reveals himself to be uh, Dario Naharis. Danny realizes that he was sent to kill her, but he did not want to. Danny asks uh, what his captain's responses will be to him not killing her, to which Dorio reveals that he's uh, taken their heads off. Uh, Dario tells Danny he refused to kill her. They had, he had a philosophical uh, argument or something with the other captains. Um, they uh, apparently took up swords against each other, but he was able to defeat the other two captains. And I guess he just automatically gets the uh, the re- the loyalty of the other 1,990. <laughs> yeah, 9, 1,997 <laughs> seconds. That's how it works. Yeah. So Danny steps out of the bath very um, uh,
0: nonchalantly, or
1: yeah, I don't know, Sh- showing off the goods. He uh, Dario does not avert his gaze. I guess she's using sex as a, a tool to enchant him. Dar- Danny asks Dario to pledge himself to her and uh Dario does and so she now is the second son
0: yeah so I have uh so a couple things just I guess on the the scene that we have before us I thought this was a pretty decent uh attempt at humor uh with Danny not speaking dothraki too good um and miss Andy correcting her normally there's the humor like this that they do that like these overwhelming like tangent that are show invention are just awful, but I thought this was kind of amusing. I wasn't laughing out loud, but I thought it was amusing. Did you really?
1: No, no, I, nothing. I, what, no, you know, what kind of annoyed me is, uh, th- this is a symptom of, of Danny's arrogance that she just assumed that she speaks this language really good. Uh, I, I think, uh, my fault part kind of the,
0: I thought that's part of the humor.
1: I guess, but it's just like, Danny, you, the, you're not as great as you think you are, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, yeah, I get it. I just didn't. I didn't particularly well, think yeah. it was that
0: great. Well, the same similar thing happens in the books where Dario, yeah, kills the other two guys and swears his allegiance and uh, his company to her, but it doesn't make sense, does it? He's just that oh, into her. He's just. Uh, I. I. You're really hot, so I'm gonna fight for beauty. You don't believe that, do you? That seems kind of. It seems counter to, like, most of the machinations and uh, motivations of most people in this world. Um, so well, I'm a little I, skeptical about it.
1: They have. I I don't know that I agree with that. I think that uh, th- there could be uh, that he, he has realized that they could lose to, the, uh, to Danny's army because the Unsullied. Shit, there's what? 8,000 Unsullied plus whatever... You know, Maniac's Danny has sword. as given swords that were former slaves. Versus two thousand second sons. Yeah, uh, that's and a great. They, that's a great. That's a great
0: rationale there. I just wish they would have shown the practical yeah. argument, or or at least yeah. if if Dario would have mentioned the pragmatism of joining uh, Danny when he was talking to the other two douchebags earlier.
1: Yes. Yeah. Or when he kneeled, he said or before he kneeled. Plus, there are four times as many of you right. as us. Right. Yeah, because the the Titans uh, Titans asshole he he seems like the kind of guy who would say four to one sounds like it's going to be too easy, you know? <laughs> some some bullshit. You're like that absolutely was, right,
0: but but they yeah. could have like you're right. If they would have just done that, that would have lended a little bit more credibility to Dario's uh, intentions and motivations. Right now, I just think they're kind of you know f- fairy ish or juvenile. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Was uh, in the book? Was there additional motivation, or was it just that she's pretty, so I'll go with her?
0: That's basically it in the books too, I believe.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a, That's kind of silly motivation. All right. Yeah,
0: but you're right. If it, if it would have been a pragmatic uh, uh, decision, we don't think we can win, so I'm coming over. Plus, you're beautiful. Gosh, and
1: it's just a it's it's a simple fix where yeah. if somebody. Um, I, I, I'm sure that this is part and parcel of being wrapped up in it as these guys are. D and D. If a third party just looked at it for, you know, uh, just watched the episode and said, "Really, just their beauty." I mean, it's such an easy <laughs> fix. A line. If somebody can identify the problem, a line can be thrown in and yeah. the problem solved. And, um, which kind of stinks. Uh, you, you think they have that kind of level? Of detail but you know
0: i i agree with you and i think we should be hired for consultants on yep. the following seasons
1: D, get at me yes. i got some advice we you didn't
0: your. mean He's all fine. the bad things we said
1: <laughs> yeah, we we didn't actually i have a really i think it's doug has called you a creep <laughs> every episode that. he didn't mean it hey
0: <laughs> okay yeah so uh let's see uh, yeah, one other thing is, uh, I guess she didn't she didn't have to be naked in this scene, but I guess it adds to the whole, like, uh, you know, uh, foreshadowing their sexual relationship that's going to happen. Maybe she's into him as well, uh, obviously, but I thought it was more her getting out of the bathtub was more of a, a show of power, like, I'm not intimidated by you, I'm not scared, I'm not ashamed. Um,
1: it, and I'm willing to manipulate you with this. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. A, little, a fair amount of nudity in this week. So, um... We saw uh, Melisandra earlier, and we also saw, saw a little bit of Gendry's neck, too, as well. Oh, yeah, Very, yeah. Uh, I, I wrote that yeah. down. I'm
0: surprised I didn't see that. Yeah. You don't see the trunk of a guy's dick uh, much on TV. <laughs> so, see, no. yeah, the show is fair. They show nudity for everybody. So, mm-hmm. shut up, girls, talking about all the the female nudity and not enough guys. There's your <laughs> quota for the year. <laughs>
1: Jesus. <laughs> She's also dick neck. So all right. <laughs> okay. We're,
0: we're next. So uh it's the morning after the wedding and um you know, everybody's hung over. Uh Shay abruptly enters the newlyweds bedroom, uh, and treats Tyrion poorly right away. Uh, completely not noticing the fact that he slept on the couch or was sleeping on the couch when she arrived. Um but eventually she does look for evidence of Coitus in the bed, and I guess since there's not huge stains <laughs> she assumes that uh it didn't happen and she kind of um gives Tyrion a knowing look like we aren't exactly cool but I'm not as angry as I was I guess
1: yeah I'm gonna refrain from making uh 1990s you know what I'm not even gonna say it never mind no you have to um, now I'll cut it if need be but say <laughs> I was gonna make a, a cherry pop and daddy's right geez,
0: how far how would you have done that? Uh, How would you have done that?
1: Uh I th- that's what uh, part of why I stopped it Okay, also, all
0: right, uh, we're moving on.
1: Also, with the probably the worst band name that's ever been made. Um so anyways, <laughs> um yeah, I did like uh, I think that uh Tyrian in the last scene kind of passed out and uh I'm guessing that sansa put the blanket on him. I don't know if you noticed that Aww. he had the blanket on. Him. Yeah, so I think that uh, and uh, this might be uh, reading into it too much, but I think Sansa, if she did do that, she'll at least realize he's not a complete piece of garbage. And that's probably, so. you know,
0: you know, once again, that could have, something they didn't do at all, something they did and decided, hey, it's better if we end that whole scene on Tyrion passing out like it's a fucking uh, movie in the 40s where people like pass out. Um, uh, you know, they could have filmed it and then decided to cut it. Who knows? But uh, yeah. it does show Sansa being somewhat, uh a nice deterrian like showing like you know maybe there's if not love but mutual respect um and kindness between the two it would have been nice
1: yeah could it might be a thing where he re- yeah she would have actually would have seen her doing it it would have definitely been uh more pointed uh, this just could have been a continuity error who knows so but uh, yeah i don't know about you but unless you
0: got a black light, you're not going to tell what happened in the bed jesus christ <laughs> Uh, gross. All
1: right. So we done with that scene?
0: Nope. <laughs>
1: Let's talk about it a little more. Okay. What
0: what happens next?
1: So next, uh, Sam and Gilly are wandering around the Winter Wonderland. They stumble upon a shack next to a. Um, is that a heartwood? Is that what it's called? Uh, uh, it's called it's a, a weirwood.
0: Wood. A heart tree is yeah. a werewood in the center of a God's wood, which I guess is a. It's it's. Groomed and made intentionally uh, by mm-hmm. a castle or, um, you know, it's more of like a, I guess, an indoor cat as opposed to a feral cat that is just a werewood in the, the um, wild. Gotcha.
1: So this is a werewood, and we know that because of the red foliage in the middle of the winter and a face in the trunk, uh, a crow approaches. Uh, and while that happens, Sam and Gilly decide to make camp there uh, and some additional... Crows begin to fly around ominously. Uh, Sam and Gilly are inside this abandoned shack, and Sam can't build a fire. It seems like he's been doing it for a while, and all he's doing is just banging the rocks together. Um, He gives up, and uh, after, upon uh, Gilly's urging, and they're going to just snuggle under the furs, Uh, Gilly discusses the, and Sam discusses the difference between winks and blinks, Uh, The name of the baby and Sam's fancy words. Gilly decides to attempt to make the fire and does it within seconds, which begs the question, why hasn't she been doing it the entire time? Um, They – let's see. The crows become louder outside of the cabin, and Sam decides to investigate. turns out to be an actual murder of crows. Uh, Things become very quiet, and then all of a sudden a white walker arrives. And says, give me back my son! Uh, so the White Walker, <laughs> White Walker approaches. Sam attempts to f- fend him off with his sword. The White Walker grabs the sword and shatters it. Smacks Sam to the side. Uh, then begins to approach Gilly and the baby. Sam runs after behind the White Walker and stabs in the back with a dragon glass knife, which kills the White Walker unexpectedly. Then, uh, Sam and Gilly scamper away, but Sam leaves the dragon glass knife after having oh, killed yeah. the White Walker. Yeah, which is what I said earlier. Sam screws up when he does something yep. right. That's what I'm referring to. And meanwhile, crows follow, and we cut to the credits. So was that a ransom
0: uh, uh, reference there with the? Yes, so many times. <laughs> So, so, uh, for the younger people in the audience, uh, Mel Gibson used to be a, uh, film star before it came out that he was a rampant anti-Semite. Um, and he was in a not too good movie called Ransom in which, you know, he was a father of a kid who got, uh, kidnapped, um, you know, and he had to get him back and he talked very angry into a phone and said something along the lines of, give me back my son.
1: Yeah. And I think, I, I, I think I, that's, that line sticks in my head because, uh. <laughs> Used to listen to like the early 2000s, used to listen to a lot of sports talk radio, and Jim Rome would play that all the time. Uh, I couldn't listen to Jim Rome if you paid me right now, but that, that line that stuck out in my head for years. And now I think uh, there's actually a new Give Me Back My Son movie starring Jamie Foxx. Oh, cool. I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> and this is back before the Liam Neeson's movie where uh, he was a uh, Give Me Back My Daughter. Well, that, you know,
0: he had a certain set of skills. Um, yes. But uh okay, so going back to the scene, yeah, um yeah, the whole thing with Gilly and him, I'm kinda bored by it too. Like their whole like relationship and the, the thing about blinking, I was like, Oh, this is this is hard to watch. Um
1: yes. But yeah, and then when Sam goes off on the uh the the Forrest Gump level, uh there's Randall, there's uh, <laughs> Sam.
0: Oh uh, yeah. Um Cook- Shrimp, uh, shrimp O'Gotton, shrimp (laughs) O'Gotton, shrimp O'Gotton, shrimp dogs, shrimp nachos, I don't know, um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that was kind of, their, their whole back and forth was awful, but, um, yeah, so we got a lot of things going that tie us back, it, like, brings us back, after all this stuff, they're kind of, like, reminding us that, yes, hey, guys, did you forget there is supernatural ice demon people um that are going to kick everybody's ass. This is what the show's really about um yeah, I mean, this is Sam the slayer. he's born in this this moment, you know he's not brave for himself, he's brave for her, but yeah, I remember watching this the first time and going, "You just dropped that fucking dagger, pick that thing up, yeah, why would you leave that there uh but yeah, not a much not else much to say about this besides. Obviously, the three eyed ravens watching because this is before Bran, unless Brian can time travel and Bran is protecting Sam from the future. Um, but don't we don't get into that, but uh, um, no, we don't.
1: <laughs> I don't have the brain capacity to handle that tonight after a long week,
0: yeah. So, um, so yeah, just just I, I think this kind of just brings us it's a level of excitement. I did kind of like the action here, I mean, because it was just the white walker. Um, or the other, whatever they call him in the show, uh, just just walking like a Terminator, slow and determined. Um, uh, you know, and, and Sam is nothing more than an annoyance. Um, so it was good; it was nice and creepy. And then he came for the baby.
1: Yeah, we actually got to see the dragonglass in action. Uh, I don't think if you hadn't watched the show or read the books or anything, you wouldn't expect Sam to have kind of stepped up and done that. I mean, other than, you know, foreshadowing or whatever. And of course, I I mean, I do think it's an interesting detail for them to have had Sam drop the knife and run away because even when Sam's at his most heroic, hey, he's still like a sloppy idiot on top of it. Charlie, did you you send
0: the Ravens? Yeah. (sighs) You had one job. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and he just tried to light this fire, and, and and Gilly was able to do within seconds. I mean, he was basically just banging rocks together.
0: Hey, no but, one says he's a ten. Uh, we're just saying he's not a zero. He's got some. Yeah. He's got some fighting him. He's not a complete coward. Um, sure, but but there is, I guess, consistency here because we get to see um, uh, John kill a White Walker with his Valyrian steel sword, Longclaw um mm-hmm. in uh hard home. Episode yes. that's one of your favorite that we did do a um review episode of that hasn't been released. So uh once our P- Patreon account gets over, what we gonna say 5 Jesus. grand, <laughs> we'll release that. No, uh, but we did we did uh record uh, that but um but yeah, John strikes uh White Walker with his Valyrian steel sword and he kind of evaporates into a bunch of Little ice pieces, kind of like uh, the T one thousand in Terminator two. Uh, you know, after he got frozen and shot. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, but one is dragon glass could... and one yeah. is Valyrian steel. So, is Valyrian steel made out of dragon glass or obsidian in there? We don't. What's the commonality between the two?
1: Uh, I don't know that we know that there is any. Uh, but I, the Valyrian steel, I think is, uh, gosh, they don't really go into in the show that much, but yeah. I mean, the Valyrians are kind of, I think they're uh, magic people almost. I don't
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's great analysis. <laughs> I, I
1: think, yeah. You know, no,
0: no, I don't know either. I'm, I'm uninformed. Here's the thing, you yeah. guys, that's, we say this right on the description for the podcast. We are uninformed. We, we do not go back and like, uh, do the research on this. We rely on you guys in the multiple uh, comments and um, feedback that you give us to correct us and tell us about these sort of things. Um, but yes, I think the all we know about the Valyrians is they were magic people. Basically. Yeah,
1: I think so. Yeah, And they turned into gray people. Gray people? Stoneman?
0: Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. That's what the show does, doesn't it? Yeah. And the books, they were just kind of drowned in uh, fire because uh, the volcanoes blew up that they were living on. All right. Uh, let's wrap this yeah. up. So that's the end of the episode. I agree. I think this, uh, at your sentiments at the beginning? Uh, pretty good, pretty good episode. Uh, I think it was fairly well written. Don't know who wrote it. it wasn't George RR Martin like last week's debacle. Um, you know, uh, things that stuck out to me were the, the wedding after party was pretty goddamn great. Um, uh, you know, the Melisandre thing with, um, uh, Davos and the leeches was memorable, even though it wasn't, you know, terrific or anything and davos is always good so i'm gonna go ahead and give this a uh oof. i'm gonna go for 4.0 it's pretty high it's gonna be about 3.5 but uh an enjoyable piece of game of thrones you know if you're just gonna tune in and watch a random episode this is a pretty good one
1: i'm gonna give it a uh Portello portillo's italian beef dipped
0: Ooh, um, don't know. I like
1: this one a lot. This is a four point5 for me.
0: Wow uh,
1: yeah and despite not having any, any real quote unquote action in it, I mean I I like this episode a lot. I, I thought there were like almost every scene was a corker even though there was some of the over top uh stuff with these son of the Titan all that Titans bastard or whatever I, th- I thought it was great from top to bottom it's captivating to me uh, I th- I thought it was really good
0: i i'll I'll rain it back and I'll say it was uh very solid solid with some moments of um just enjoyable t v and intriguing stuff here um well acted yeah very solid i'm gonna stand by my uh remarks four point um so that's good we both we both liked it so I guess we're in agreement um so we got a big one coming up next week red wedding you ready yes i am. Uh... Alright, so we'll we're gonna try to have some guests from the past, from uh you know, ghost of season past, see who we can get on. Definitely gonna have Jermaine. Um No, no God no. <laughs> no, we're working on getting a few people. Uh but it should be a good time. Maybe we'll make it a longer than normal episode. Um But uh other than that, I guess we'll say goodbye for now.
1: Thank you everyone.
0: Yes, thank you, and see you next Tuesday.